Hi, and welcome to the latest B-Ham Brothers podcast. I'm Andrew, the host here with my brother Emmett, and we have got a packed show here for you guys today. We're going to run through conference realignment, the hot topic this week, uh, with all that went down with Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, uh, you name it. Um, seems like every school is changing their conference. We'll talk about the impact of that. We're going to go around the SEC. There's a lot of pressers lately. Teams are kicking off uh, their fall camps. Uh, we got some uh, funny things uh, from Nick Saban. Uh, Emmett's got some funny comments on Bobby Petrino. Um, and is the barn cheating again? We'll answer that question. Uh, and then last, we'll wrap up with some recruiting news, talk about NIL. It's a big cat weekend, a uh, big weekend in recruiting in general, and a lot of commitments over this past weekend uh, and the weekend prior uh, just across the nation. So that's how we're going to get rolling, and we're going to start off here with talking about conference realignment. Uh, Pac-12 is down to four teams, Emmett. It's over. It's over. It's sad, too, because now what am I going to do when it's 10 o'clock at night and the SEC's done playing? Who am I going to watch football now? How am I going to watch football? There's no more Pac-12 after dark. Pac-12 after dark is dead. So, yeah, if if you're just wanting to, like, put the TV on and have something to fall asleep to, you know, great college football game, you can't do that anymore. There's four teams yeah. left. you got Stanford, you got Washington State, you've got Oregon State, and you've got Cal, who Auburn actually plays this year, left in the Pac-12 all signs are pointing that they're going to join with the Mountain West or something. That's the only way they can survive. Yeah. It's just sad, man. I mean, like, I know it's just like you're just watching something, but I would end up like you could see some good games. BYU versus Utah. That was a good game. Uh, it was just fun, man. It's well, over. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, USC, went, like, you know, in the early 2000s, USC was a power. USC's always yeah. been a huge power. Now they join over with – uh, the Big Ten that was announced, you know, earlier uh, this year. But um, you know, USC's jumping ship. Um, that really kind of started the ball rolling of the Pac-12. I mean, they were really the premier yeah. team. Um, but you know, Stanford's had their years when they had Harbaugh out there. Oregon obviously has been good lately. Washington has had some good seasons. Mm-hmm. Seems like that program's really building up there. Um, Oregon State has had some good seasons. You know, at that program. UCLA used to be a, a decent team. Cal used to be a decent team. Utah, man, Utah has just, I mean, under Kyle Whittingham out there, they are a stellar program. I actually wish the SEC would take them if they're yeah. on if they're on the table. But, um, yeah, really just breaking down the Pac-12, and, and it's sad. I, I don't understand. I don't understand it logically because conferences should be regional. That way – it just makes sense. So you're not traveling across the country like week in and week out. Right. There are four teams on the West Coast. I don't know how many else are not on the West Coast. Just right. Because who knows else, who else is going to join? Right. I know Florida State and Clemson are thinking about leaving the ACC. They're probably that they're either going to the SEC or Big Ten. That's where they're going to go. Um, but that means these four West Coast teams are going to have to consistently travel across the country all the way to play a conference game. Yeah, you know, that's that's there's four there were fourteen teams in the Big Ten prior, which didn't make sense because of the Big Ten, but whatever. Um there are fourteen teams there, right, and now the the four West Coast teams are all gonna have to travel just almost all the way across the country. If they ever have to play Rutgers, they'll literally travel the entire yeah. span of the country. Yeah. 
I mean, that's coast, coast to coast. Right, coast to coast. That's stupid. That uh, doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I also hate the fact that it's like all these big pro. Like, I hate conference realignment. Yeah. I, I think it's so. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in college football. I do, too. This is worse than targeting. Frankly, and, I don't like that Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the SEC. No, I don't. I like don't them. really care about them. No. Uh, why do we need we don't I, need them i have no skin in the game for those two teams right <laughs> i don't care I, honestly i would rather watch auburn play the mississippi states the old misses the you know the traditional southeastern yeah. teams and then have a good out of conference right have one good out of conference i i enjoy the matchup like if if auburn or alabama or whoever were to play texas or oklahoma in a non-conference game I like it more that way than I would if they were in the SEC. Right, you know, it, it makes it cooler. Sure, it's a it's a one time thing, yeah. you know, but I don't care to see them year in and year no. out, especially if it means I got to lose another game. Well, yeah, that's another huge part of it. Like, we're eventually just going to eat ourselves alive. Right, you can't have a powerhouse. You can't have six powerhouses in a conference. No, and it's not possible. No, and I think. I think, you know, the calling card of college football has been its history and its tradition. I mean, yeah. that's what it's built on. Yeah. You know, it's built on, you know, the bands and, and 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 the music, the fight songs, you know, the history behind these rivalries and all these type things. And you're losing all that as we continue to realign these conferences just so you can get, you know, the quote-unquote premier teams playing one another when, you know, Oregon wasn't always a premier team. No, you know, but they've been—they've become a premier team. What happens if they if they die back down too? Yeah, I mean, you know, now you're now you're paying them money for you know, and you got to travel all the way to the other side of the world. And you know, I didn't even like I'm with you on the traditions. That's like the main reason why I hate it. But Missouri's coach made a great point. Mm-hmm. He's like, think about baseball and softball when they're playing a lot of games. Right, right. That's terrible for their mental health. They're going to be coming home at four thirty in the morning having to go to class. That's no. the number one cause of mental health issues, and yet they're doing this. No, that that's a great point, you know, and and we've seen where, um, where you know teams like, for instance, a, a Notre Dame. Notre Dame is in the ACC um, when it comes to uh, basketball. When it comes to basketball, that's right. Um, and then for football, they play a lot of the ACC teams just to try to kind of make that you know worthwhile for everyone. Um, but they're not an official member yeah. football-wise. So I could see where maybe the baseball teams, I don't know, maybe try to join. But, man, the way this went down, I don't think there's any chance that the other Pac-12 teams say, yeah, you can come play us in these other sports. It just doesn't make sense because it's like, well, if I were the other four teams that got left over, I would, I'm giving them the bird and be like, nah, screw you. Like, why would why would we take you back for baseball and softball? Like, no, I, I I agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I would, I would tell them to, you know, pound sand. Yeah, exactly. I, nobody, these four teams, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, they did not think this through. No. They have destroyed something somewhat sacred. I mean, like the tra- like you said, the traditions of college football are you're playing the same teams year in and year out mm-hmm. because they are around you. That's what makes it beautiful because you're playing somebody down the road. Right. Like, Well, and oftentimes you end up working right alongside. So, so I, I, I doubt a lot of Oregon people – work with a lot of Big Ten people. Yeah. And and vice versa. Yeah. Right. I doubt a lot of USC people work with Big Ten. But I bet you a lot of USC people work with Oregon grads. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I bet you a lot of Washington grads work with UCA, USC and UCLA grads. You know, it's the same for in the Southeast. Like, you know, until I moved to Texas years ago, yeah. right? I never worked with a Texas A and M person. To this day I don't really work with anybody yeah. from Texas A and M. 
I know like one person that was from Texas A and M, and they like graduated there years ago. Right. But that's it. One. I know one person. Yeah, you know, we've got some neighbors that are Texas A and M folks down down the hill, but other than that, I, I don't know. Outside of them, I, I really can't think of anybody else that I know of that is a a Texas A&M grad or Texas A&M fan um, in the SEC. And those things matter, right? I mean, one of the things that makes college football so great, to your point, Emmett, is that we see each other, we know each other. Uh, It's this regionalism to it that that really, it matters. It's the bragging rights. You play the game, you get to go to work or school or whatever the next day, Look at the guy that you know graduated from there and been like, ha, yeah, we got you. That's right. Or you have to hear it from him. And yeah. that makes you more invested. That's where the investment comes from because it's like, I don't want to hear it from that guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, who is, you know, and, and now I heard somebody make a great point. They said, you know, for these Pac 12 teams leaving, right? And you think about the Stanfords and the Oregon States and, and all the others, and you say, well, those teams, the reason these teams are leaving is because there wasn't a lot of fan support for these for all these other programs to the point that they couldn't get a TV deal done, which meant they had to go somewhere else in order to stay in the fight. Yeah. Right? That's a very valid point. Um, I don't think it's college football's fault, though. N- no, that, and that's what I think. That's where I think the media at some point has to step in and say but we got to start doing something to like get the fans in. Yeah, we got to right, we got to do something like else. produce this or market this in a way to where the people that aren't going to the games anymore are going to be like I want to go to the game again. USC, I don't know what USC thinks is going to happen. Do they think they're going to join the Big 10 and suddenly Trojan Stadium is going to be filled? It's not. I no. mean, I don't know how many people are going to fly. Now people will, I think early on. They'll fly out there, yeah. right? You know, just for, for the novelty of it. Yeah. But Five, ten years in, I, I don't know. One year. The reason that one year. <laughs> the, the reason that Texas A and M packs out their hundred thousand person stadium is because it's full of Texas A and M fans. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's not full of Auburn fans or Missouri no. fans or South Carolina fans. Now those guys get a section. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's full of Texas A and M fans. Yeah. You and know? that's the it's because of the culture in the SEC and it's the culture in the Big Ten or Big Fourteen, whatever they are. I don't even know anymore. But that conference, mm-hmm. Penn State, great example. They pack it out. They go crazy. Right. They're great fans. And it's because they have well, they actually grew up in a culture where they were like supposed to be quiet at the games and then, you know, that whole story of how they why they're called Happy Valley. Right. But now they're avid football fans. It's the culture around the college and the culture around USC is you're in California, you're right next to the beach. You know, it's like, right. You're not going there to go watch football. No, no. You know, what's crazy is I do remember back when Pete Carroll was the head coach at USC. One of the things he did was I remember multiple times on college game day and on, um, you know, just on broadcast for any USC game, you stayed up to watch USC. It was a, it was an event to watch them play when they had Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, I mean, so many great players on those teams back then. And California produces guys. Yeah. I mean, they oh, produce yeah. some talent. The recruiting there. there's insane. Like, their talent level on these teams is amazing. Oh, it's crazy. It's wild. And so I think that's one thing USC has got to do. If they want to pack out their stadium, you know, you got to get Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg and all these other guys. Like, you've got to make USC yeah. cool again. Yeah. Deuce or 
just do something different. I mean, right. for instance, when Jen, Gene Chizik was down at Auburn, he would he did like a little pep rally before the games at mm-hmm. night. At yep. midnight. Yep. And that got people amped up. Nobody's amped up. It, like, clearly, they're not amped up to go watch USC football because they would fill the stadium if they were. Do some events. Like, Bruce Pearl does the basketball thing yep. uh, during the fall. Do some events during the school year, before football season, during the summer, during the offseason, the spring. Get people talking about football. Ch- change the perception of why they're at USC. Yeah, you've got to make it a culture of excitement and a culture for, for folks to, to go join. So, man, it's it's terrible. I, I you know I don't see a whole lot of positives. Um, I do understand that money-wise with NIL, which we'll talk about when we go to recruiting, but with the day and age that it is, some of these teams kind of felt like, hey, in order for us, for us to stay relevant, we've got to chase the buck. Um, but, you know, I just hate that there's a lot losing. I don't feel like conferences like the Big Ten and, you know, I guess that's my problem is the Big Ten and the SEC, you didn't really have a need to go add these teams. I mean, Big Ten, you were outside of SEC, you were top yeah. top dog, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're the only ones that compete with this. ACC ever. wasn't competing. I mean, you had Clemson, Florida State's just now starting to get yeah. back to where they were, but – you know, and there's a lot of complaints coming from those folks. But, you know, there's no reason for Texas and Oklahoma to be leaving the Big 12, in my opinion. No. I'm not sure why the SEC's adding these teams. Um, I don't I, I don't know, know why, why we ever started adding teams in the first place. Yeah. I mean, looking back at it now, like Texas A&M, it's cool to play them. It is. It's a fun game to watch Auburn and Texas A&M play. I don't know why it's always a good game. But... Could I have gone the rest of my life with 12 SEC teams? Yes, I would have preferred it that way. Yeah. The original SEC was so good. And if the SEC continues to add teams, you talked about it, you texted me earlier this week about it. Yeah, have an original SEC conference and then some the other weirdos in their own thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. You know, one thing, you know, think about the 2024 schedule. Auburn picks up Oklahoma, which, you know, I guess that's an exciting game. I don't know. I'm not it's all that home. thrilled about it. That's the only thing I'm excited about is that, that they get to come to an SEC, a right, Jordan Hare Stadium. Right. You know, but outside of that, Auburn loses the LSU game in 2024. We don't play LSU. I didn't even realize that. Uh, you know, that, that sucks. That does suck. That is a historic rivalry that has had. It's a crazy game. It is a crazy game. The Every, night the barn burned, the five interceptions, the earthquake. There's so many games you can talk about with right. that. Right. I mean, the, you know, you talk about the curse, right, that Auburn had of going down to Baton Rouge. You talk about the all the times when you look at that uh, rivalry, all the times that one team was up big and then they ended up losing. I mean, the comebacks in that. Auburn went down there, you know, with Tommy Tuberville one year, and they kicked like six field goals, I think, five or six field goals yeah. and lost the game. And it was like every time well, we were driving down the field easy, and then we just got stopped on like the 10 yeah. or 15 yard line every time. It's just all of that history, you just throw, throw it out the window, way. right? Just like, oh, that's no big deal. Now you get to play Oklahoma. I don't care about Oklahoma. I, I don't care either. I don't care. I know. And like, I'll, I love the LSU rivalry because I got a soft spot for them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, every time we play them, I'm like, I hate them right. that week. Right. But the second it's over, I'm like, I got a soft spot for them because those fans are awesome. Yes. They are crazy, and I love it. They're ju- it reminds me of Auburn, especially oh. the old school Auburn fans. Like, from when I was growing up, I mean, Auburn fans have gotten kind of soft, I'll be honest. But 
LSU fans have not missed a beat. They are crazy, avid, and they're mean. And no. I love it. And they cook great food. Yes. God. We're not going to get any gumbo. I know. <laughs> I know. Now we're going to have to make our own gumbo. It's going to be Alabama gumbo. It's yeah. not right? even real. It's not even real stuff. So, so conference realignment, I mean, so you've got Oregon and Washington. What's funny about what's not even funny, it's crazy really, but they stabbed the rest of the Pac-12 in the back. So USC yeah. and UCLA made their deal months ago. Pac-12 was set to uh, sign a deal with, uh, I believe it was Apple TV, for Apple TV to broadcast their games. They've been working on this deal for months. They had had about three days' worth of meetings. They were set to get together one more time, and all of a sudden, Friday morning, Oregon and Washington don't show up. They just didn't show up. Mm. Why? They signed a deal with the Big Ten. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just stabbed them in the back. These All these other schools were set to meet. So, in the meantime, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Utah, um, they had all signed an agreement um, or, or had already been begun having talks with the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 had just recently announced they were adding Colorado. Colorado coming over from the, the Pac-12. Colorado is an old Big 12 team. They left the Big 12 for the Pac-12. Now they're coming back. So um, Colorado had announced a couple weeks ago. So Arizona, Arizona State, Utah all had kind of these backdoor conversations with the Big 12. So once the Pac-12 fell apart, they all immediately turned around and signed a deal with the Big 12. So now the Big 12, you know, is made it up like of... like a bank run, but for college football Absolutely. No, that's a great that, that's a great analogy. I mean, it was, it was wild. Uh, it just... It, pisses me off that tv deals are the reason that this is happening that's honestly what it is it's, it goes to like money and numbers and it's just like it does y'all are screwing the game up to the point where it's, if it turns into the nfl oh i'm gonna be so mad well and it's one of those where nil plays a role a lot of people are going to point to nil being a factor all right we're you're playing you're paying these college athletes you know from low thousands of dollars when i say low i mean Three, five, ten thousand dollars per year to high to some hundred thousand dollar deals, right? Over a three to four year period, right? So you may hear a guy sign a million dollar deal. Usually that deal is over a four year period. So he's getting paid 250K per year, right? Which is a lot of money. I'd love to have 250K a year. I'd love that. But for for a college, that's that's not a ton of money, especially when you're turning around, you're paying your coach nine to ten million dollars per year. Yeah. Also, it's no secret how much tuition costs. <laughs> you right. can't tell me they're not making it. Like, you've got the money. Right. You have the money. Oh, they've got it. They've got it, you know. And they just don't want to lose some of their like, you know. They're they're losing some of their some of their profit, which is one of the reasons why they're doing this, because they feel like they've got to maximize profit. That's it's right. all about maximizing profit. They're not even looking at I tell you one way they could maximize their profit, like I was saying earlier. Get fans of the games. Then you then you just even out. Well, you're seeing these big conferences come out, right? You know, yeah. you're seeing, you know, these now, you know, 14, 16. I mean, Big Ten now has 18 teams in it. That's dumb. 18 that teams. Doesn't even, it, again, that one is the dumbest one. So, it so basically, sense. I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to have two nine-team divisions, which will basically be two nine-team conferences, essentially, if you think about it. And those nine teams will all play their schedule and then it'll be they'll come and they'll come to play together for a championship right so that'll be their 
there's their schedule for them, right? So, so I really think I really think it's stupid because we're making these te- these conferences bigger, and then we're going to have to divide it up different. When if we would just go back to the old kind of Power Five model with yeah. twelve teams in each conference, it works out great. Yeah, no, it does. You I, have passion. You have regionalism. You have a schedule that really promotes it for you. I, you know. There's no uh, yeah you're right. If you're having to split your conference to make it work, then it was a dumb decision. Right. It's a conference because it's like united. Right. And like the sense of oh this is who we're playing. That's right. Um, you're so in, you're out. yeah, I mean you know I I just I hate the whole conference realignment. I feel like college football is losing its way a little bit when it mainly because of that nil. I don't think is as big of a deal. Although you're gonna hear. Um, you're going to hear directors and regents and ADs and all these folks kind of point to that. NIL is a small, small drop in the bucket compared to what they're paying these college coaches and paying for all these things that they have to do um, in order to get all this stuff in. So, man, I think college football is going to continue to change. I don't think it's done yet. I think, honestly, we're like in the teenage years of conference realignment. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're anywhere close to this thing being done. So I think this thing will be over quicker than it started. Honestly, I think it eventually. Like I say that, in relatively speaking, mm-hmm. you know, I think eventually the Big Ten, or again, whatever number they are now, is it going to be like this is terrible, mm-hmm. this is stupid, because you've got you got Indiana, Illinois, Purdue. What are they going to do? <laughs> like, what are these teams? You just added powerhouses to your right, conference. right. They're dead. Yeah. You just killed two college teams. That's right. Three. Nebraska's in it. They're still trying to catch the, get their feet underneath them. It's the same as what it's the same as the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. I, I mean, you just had two more power teams. Now, Texas, you can say whatever you want about. They're a team that's got a lot of resources, you know, whatever. Um, you know you, you just you killed the Vandys. Yeah. Right? You killed Vanderbilt. You killed Missouri with the this. only thing that I can I can at least argue with that a little bit is it's still in the same somewhat region. Sure. So you're probably arguing over the same recruits already anyway. Yeah. The difference now is that they can say, oh, we're in the SEC too now, by the way. Yeah. So that, you're in the elite conference. And we talked about it. That's why I don't mind the big 12 editions of Arizona, Colorado, yeah. the Arizonas, it and Utah. It, make, it, it makes sense. It's sort of like, you know, sort of this Western conference yeah, kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a – I think they need some big names in there. Utah's – probably going to be the favorite to win that conference for a while yeah uh seems like they've really got it rolling up there but um you know it's it's a lot of change and you know i'm usually for change if it's if it's changed for the good i just i don't know that this is really changed for the good i think it's changed for the sake of change that's kind of exactly how it feels again this could have easily been solved from within the back 12 yeah there was no need to just abandon ship like this and it started with USC and UCLA, and at least they did it in a better fashion. But I still disagreed with it when I saw that. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Well, we were in California. Rutgers, that's in Massachusetts, right? Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Literally the opposite side of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, diagonally across. Right. Well, and it, it, it almost, it would have made more sense if USC and UCLA had come in with Oregon and with Washington. Yeah. Um, because now at least they'd have been to say, well, we're going to bring four teams to the table, so at least three of our games will be nearby, yeah. right? And then we only have to travel maybe to a few. <laughs> but 
I mean, it's, you know... Again, and football's not the only sport getting affected by this. Yeah, yeah. Football I mean, will be okay, really. Yeah. And that's what the Missouri case like. I mean, we get time to recover. Right. Baseball and softball, they play. Well, I just think about the money that it does take to travel to um, for a volleyball team. <laughs> Yeah, right. I actually saw a funny tweet. Uh, I was like, you know who I feel bad for in all this? And it was a picture of the truck driver for Oregon. Oh, yeah, that guy's going to have to span the globe. How does the equipment guy handle this? He better all this? get a mileage check. Uh, he, he better. I mean, he's going to have to be getting something crossing the Rockies a few yeah, times. Yeah, seriously. So, um, it's going to be wild. So, um, man, you know, we'd love for you guys to send us your thoughts on conference realignment. I, I've not found a whole lot of people that it speaks no. positive to. I think Aaron Murray did say some, what some an idiot. crazy things. And that's purely bias. What an idiot. I hope you hear this. How do you feel about Aaron Murray? I don't like him. I don't like him bit. either. Yeah. A, so, so you know, we'll, we'll send us your thoughts <laughs> at Beham Brothers on Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear what y'all think about the conference realignment that's going on. Where do you want it? Where do you think it's going to continue to go? And what do you think about the SEC conference realignment? Um, okay, Emmett. So um, after conference realignment, we're going to sit here. We're going to talk. We're going to go around the SEC here. So there were there were a few kind of big uh, press conferences this week, uh, and you had some some things you wanted to call out um, on a few of those. So I'll hand it over to you to cover that. So the first thing I want to talk about is Alabama fans. You know, on Twitter, they post that picture of Nick Saban smiling after the conference. And I even see riders talking about it, how, oh, you better be scared of Alabama this year. Why? Because he's smiling, he's having a happy emotion. No, if anything, I say he's lost He's lost his way, and he's about to head to the nursing home. He's about to retire. He just bought that beach home down in Florida. I forgot what city it was, but he's headed out. Don't, don't, get, don't be fooled. They're nothing. Then I want to talk about how Bobby Petrino, in his little conference, press conference today, he sounded drunk. He sounded like he was slurring his words. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. But And what he was talking about, too, Jimbo Fisher is still not going to completely hand over the play calls to Bobby Petrino. That's how we talked about it. It doesn't sound like he's got full control over it. Yeah, so let, let's go back to the Saban one. Let's talk about the Nick Saban one there for a minute because you made a couple comments there that I find interesting. So the, the talk about uh, Saban, you know, he's smiling and sort of his evil grin or, or whatever you want to call it, you know. Get out of here. I don't buy into it either. I actually think he's lost a little bit of his touch, man. Yeah. You know, he used to never smile, and now he smiles all the time. He was the Bill Belichick of college football. Just mean. He was Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> he was the villain. He he was, and it seems like he's kind of he's kind of lost his touch on that. I mean, that good for him. I'm, I'm glad he's happy. I really am. Like, do your best. He's Garbage talked tire. some recently, you know, years ago, I remember him talking about how um, he he hated to lose more than he loved to win, and so that was why he worked so hard, and I, then I heard him more recently, and I still think this was maybe just a year or two ago, talk about how, um, you know, he's trying to enjoy it more, you know, yeah, and... Man, that was the first sign. I remember that. That's a that's a sign of somebody who's trying to starting to reflect. Yeah, right. Um, on their on their days, and he's a he's a granddad, and um, I think he's wanting to spend some more time with his grandkids. Yeah, uh, understandable. Did, understandable. They they bought some some yeah. uh, some property down in Florida, down in South Florida. Um, you know, we're we're gonna break down Alabama in our preseason review, but. I agree. I, I think this is a really a coach 
you know, I'm not going to call his downfall this year. I don't say he's retiring this year or anything like that, but I think there's a coach that is heading towards the end, especially with the way that the rest of the SEC is starting to really kind of step up. Yeah, I mean, again, happy for him. He, he has done something incredible. He is the GOAT of coaches. I mean, he's done something insane at Alabama. But, you know, you don't really ref- reflect on things until you're done. And if you're, he's reflecting, like you said, which means he's done. He's mentally checked out. Yeah, I found a few things that he, the SEC Media Days, and the key one that he said that was interesting to me was he talked about how expectations can be a bad thing. 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, whatever, prime Nick Saban at Alabama career. He would have never said expectations no. can be a bad thing. No, he would. If anything, he was like the expectations to win a national championship. Right. But there's nothing below that. Right. There was no this like he talked about the standard in that press conference. Right. But he was like, back then the expectation and the standard were the same thing. It was national championship. That's that was it. If you're anything below that, you suck. <laughs> like, uh, that's how it was. his opening presser when he became Alabama was. Hey, let's quit talking about national championships. Let's go do something yeah. about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he wanted to set the standard of, hey, we expect yeah. national championships. Right? And now he's talking about how expectations can be a bad thing. Yeah. Sounds like somebody who's kind of caving into the pressure a little bit. I don't I would Well, I wouldn't say he's caving into pressure. I think it really is just him being like, I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> he's like, Dude, it, now he's got to face Kirby Smart, who is starting his own dynasty of Georgia. And I guess that's, in that sense, yes, it's caving into pressure, but he's probably like, I don't want to do this again. He's like, Man, I'm tired. I'm old. I want to spend time with family. Yeah, I, I think I, I wonder how much of it is, uh, you know, the time dedication, you know, with with NIL um, and with the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. I, You know, we've heard Hugh Freeze. We've heard some of these other coaches talking about how Lane Kiffin, they've talked about how it's a 24-7 game now. There used to be a dead period at the beginning of summer in, in – in May, kind of June uh, time frame, where coaches would use that time to spend time with their family. That was the only time they got to spend time with their family yeah. and vacation and do all those type things. Well, that's prime transfer portal season. Yeah. And so now these coaches are having to spend all this time not just recruiting the transfer portal to make their team better. They're having to recruit their own team day in and day out in order to keep their guys yeah. on their yeah. on the roster. Just stay. Just to stay. Right. And – it's gotten to the point where, like, now all of the coaches' families are, like, a part of the media because it's like, how can they not be? Terry Saban is a huge part of the, like, right. you hear about her. Right. And it's just, his, like, it's his wife, and she does a lot of good things in Tuscaloosa. She donates charity and stuff. But could you ever imagine, like, dad and, like, mom being a part of the media because of dad being a coach? No. That's I, a foreign, like, thing to me. No. I don't, these I'll, people are politicians. I also don't think that would that would have gone all too well. No. So, <laughs> you know, you got to have the right people in yeah. place to do that type thing. There would have been needed to be a lot of coaching yeah. when it comes to that. So, um, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. to, just to rip on our parents a little <laughs> bit there. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, so Saban, um, you know, he had the evil grin uh, this week. Um, I think it was just... Happiness. I think that's just media. Just a dude being happy. I think it's just media. Maybe he had some carrot cake. Yeah. Hey. Maybe that's why he was happy. That's hey. his favorite cake. For me, it'd be, have to be prunella cake. Uh, <laughs> prunella cake's pretty dang good. 
All right, so then Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino, this whole play caller thing, he tried to kind of answer the question better than Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher at SEC Media Days basically said, I don't know, we'll have to see and find out. Um, very vague response. Um, what did you make of Bobby Petrino's comments? I just, I mean, I took it as a better answer, yes. However, again, it sounded like, hey, I'll, make, I'll call the play. But Jimbo Fisher's going to tell me to call the play. Tell me what play to call. So it's like, are you really calling the plays? You're just making the call. Right. Like you're just doing the action of making the call. Yeah. That's I mean, not really doing it. You're he, not creating a game plan. You're not saying, hey, this is how we're going to run this game. Jimbo Fisher is telling you what to do to save his job, which will inevitably cost him possibly his life at <laughs> Texas A&M. Well, the way some of them have reacted, <laughs> it may. You know I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Bob Petrino talked about how um, he's got a game plan and they're going to plan together and, and yada, yada, yada. And he, you know, said, oh, Jimbo Fisher's the boss. But anybody who knows Bobby Petrino has said that, you know, he's a control guy himself. Yeah. I mean, he was he's he's been a control guy wherever he's been at, you know. Um, now, maybe after the Arkansas incident, he learned some life lessons, you know, whatever, but... Man, he's back in primetime football when the pressure gets put on him. Yeah. What's going to happen? What happens if? What happens when Jimbo Fisher says, no, I don't want to run that play. I think we ought to run this instead. Yeah. What, ha- what, what happens to that relationship? Well, first, it's going to come out a lot faster than that. But number two, uh, if, if Petrino starts calling his own plays, even when Jimbo Fisher says no, you might have a Kevin Steele situation where Petrino's going to the booster and being like, you need to get this guy out of here. Uh, you may. And then, again, Jimbo, you need to upgrade your security. Your life is in danger. They are threatening to assassinate you. <laughs> that is a, imagine that. A college coach being assassinated because he didn't want a football game. He better have some hired security. Uh, you said it earlier. I mean, that, he's going to have to have the tires, the glass in your car. Yeah. You're going to need a presidential motorcade. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to need an underground tunnel to yeah. get, to get uh, from his office. I don't know. In, Texas A&M is weird. There probably already is one. There probably is one there. So... Bob Petrino made some crazy comments there. Uh, and then, you know, Barn cheating. I mean, um, Auburn reels in a big recruit uh, this weekend. Yeah. Really kind of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Didn't you see know, it coming. And when I checked Twitter and saw the news, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, he, he was South Carolina. It was he a shocker. We weren't even watching for Solomon. We were watching yeah. for K.J. Bolden, yeah. right? Safety, safe five-star safety out of Buford, Georgia. Um what do you make of, of the barn cheating tweets and comments out there? Oh, it fuels us. It fuels Auburn fans. It fuels, I think it fuels the Auburn team. They see it. You know they see it. And they're just like, ah, we got gotcha. you. It makes me feel like we're back and we haven't even played a game yet. When people start saying we're cheating, oh, y'all are scared. Y'all are scared of Auburn. And you should be. Ah, uh, you really should be. So I've said, you know, I think Auburn is going to have a good season this year. They went five and seven last year. They went five and seven the year before that. Really, first time in a long time Auburn's had two losing back to back losing records. Um, I think this team that improves. I think this team that improves two to three wins. Um, I think you're a little bit higher than than I am on that. Yeah, I think I think this recruiting momentum because Auburn everything is connected at Auburn, and it's it sounds so corny to say, but it's like. One of those things that you can't see, the momentum starts rolling with recruiting. It rolls into football season. Maybe we win the first three games. Maybe we go to Texas A&M and beat them. 
maybe that happens. Maybe since ESPN is doing the doubleheader on the Georgia weekend, maybe we get that eight fifteen time slot. Maybe something crazy happens that week. Maybe we just keep it going, and the snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then what? Then you're facing an eighteen wheeler head on, and you're dead. So, <laughs> so call it. So call it, Emma. You think this is twenty thirteen all over again? It's possible. I'm saying it's possible. I'm not on it yet. I've got to see us play a game. I've got to see us play a game. But I'm just saying I haven't felt this way about the fan base being this aligned, the boosters being aligned, the coaches are all looking up, the players are hype. Everything is looking like something special might happen this year. And honestly, 8-4 and four are special this year. So, like, that could be it. However, I don't think it's going to be it. I think it's going to be something special. I'm thinking at least ten. I thought you'd have the guts to call them undefeated. Man. I want to. I want to wait for the the day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. All right. So that's around the SEC. Just some of the hot topics that have been going on in the SEC. And let's wrap this up with some recruiting conversations. Four or five big recruits um, in our neck of the woods, at least that that um, made some big decisions this week. Let's talk about Big Cat Weekend. Uh, it was. Really slightly prior to Big Cat Weekend, it was the Wednesday before, but I kind of consider it all one. Demarcus Riddick, five-star linebacker from Chilton County, uh, flips from no. Georgia to Alabama. Oh, no, no, no. It was Auburn. Oh, that's right. He did. He flipped from he flipped from Georgia to but Auburn. I, I heard Alabama was actually going after him. Uh, that's but right. But then he chose Auburn, actually. That's right. That's the right. five-star, he chose Auburn. Over Alabama and Georgia. yeah. yeah. He, okay. he said no to them okay. and said yes to That was us. probably a one-time thing, though, right? It wouldn't oh, happen again. You would never believe what happened later on that week. Perry Thompson, another five-star, this time a wide receiver, a skill position. Who's looking at him? Alabama. He's committed to Alabama. He even says yes to Alabama. Goes down there a few times. He's like, I don't like this place. I'm choosing Auburn. I'm going to Auburn. He says no to Bama and says yes to Auburn. So is this is this guy from like is this guy he's he's from Auburn or he's not from an Alabama hotbed or, or... Uh, oh he's from Foley. Oh, <laughs> this is mind-boggling. <laughs> I mean, Auburn's going in. Hugh Freeze is going in. Marcus Davis, Auburn's wide receivers coach, he's going down. He's stealing guys out of Foley, Alabama, which is prime Alabama recruiting hotbed. Insane. I can't. I still can't believe that happened. And still, some people are calling him the next Julio Jones. I'm just saying. Yeah. I didn't say that. Some people were saying. Well, the problem I heard from, and this is coming from Perry himself, is that Alabama couldn't really develop wide receivers, but Hugh Freeze knew how to. He did say that. He did and say that. so I think that's the main reason he chose Auburn. Plus, you know, we got the family, and, you know, it's just a better all-around campus uh, overall. A little, a little bit of pride, a little bit of heat coming out there. You know, it is funny. Perry did say, you know, Nick Saban's known for coaching I, linebackers and DBs. But Auburn flipped flipped to Marcus Riddick from from Georgia to yeah. Auburn and didn't let him go to Alabama. Yeah. So, so those are those are the two biggest recruits. But then Auburn got two more, uh, yeah. really right before uh, Perry Thompson flipped from Alabama to Auburn. Malcolm Simmons from Ben Russell down yeah. in Alex City committed to Auburn, an athlete. He plays a, a number of positions really for that team, but. Uh, most prominently, he plays, uh, I believe, running back, wide receiver, and then I think he plays safety for them also. Yeah. So really an all-around uh, superstar athlete. Malcolm Simmons committed there, um, another big pickup. And then the surprise one to me, we were looking for K.J. Bolden. We'll talk about him in just a second. 
where everybody's watching for KJ Bolden, um, and then uh, this Solomon guy, who Auburn had recruited hard, but over the past week, everybody, all signs pointed. He visited for Big Cat Weekend. Auburn felt good, but not great. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he he commits to Auburn on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I saw the South Carolina fans on Twitter say, like, oh, the barn's cheating. And whereas I love it, again, it fuels me and just makes me barn even harder. Um, One guy called us a dead program. Yeah. But at least we weren't the NC State wet fart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what those are his words, not mine. <laughs> those are his words, not mine. But it's just funny hearing that from South Carolina fans because I was like, do you think you're a better program than Auburn? You're not. You're still below Auburn, even though we did bad last year. Right. And the year before. Right. And we had 2012. You're still worse than us. I think the last time they Learn went to I think the last time they went to the SEC championship game was 2010, a yeah. season where Auburn had beat them twice. Yeah, imagine that. It's hard to beat a team twice. It is. We beat them badly, pretty handily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, learn your place. Don't say the barn's cheating. No, we're just simply a better program. Okay, so Auburn gets Demarcus Riddick, five star, Perry Thompson, five star, Jalua Solomon, four star defensive player, Malcolm Simmons. Four-star athlete, can play offensive and defensive side of the ball. And then the other big guy that everybody was looking for was this K.J. Bolden. He's a safety out of Buford, Georgia. Mm -hmm. He was down to Auburn, Georgia, and FSU. And uh, he he really— had Ohio State hat up there. uh, He had Ohio State. he had Alabama. Yeah, he he had—he's got ties to Ohio State. I think his cousin—he has a relative that is a a coach there. Um you know, so a reason for him to maybe be leaning that way. But it was really down to Auburn, Georgia, and FSU. Yeah. He really kind of shut down his recruitment this week and got really quiet. Um, and kudos to him for kind of holding that close to the vest, um, not letting anything out. At one point this week, all three of those teams felt good. At one point this week, all three of those teams felt like they weren't going to yeah. get him too. Yeah. Um, and it turns out he chose Florida State. Yeah. Not a, I mean, great school, great program. And he said it earlier on in July, I think. He was like, this is my childhood dream school. Yeah. And pretty much the second he said that, I was like, oh, well, we don't even got a chance. But right before he announced, something happened. I was like, oh, maybe maybe we are going to get You know, you have that last second hope. Yep. It was false. Uh, but, you know, I wish the best to him. At least he didn't pick Georgia, the worst place on planet Earth. Um, so, wish him luck, man. Yeah, I, you know, I think he'll be good. Uh, he did say that that was his childhood dream home. So the fact that Georgia and Auburn were able to make that a close fight uh, speaks to both of those schools' ability to recruit kids. Uh, one more recruit we wanted to talk about here was Nate Frazier. He is a running back, and not shockingly, he picked Georgia. Now, he did have offers to, to uh, Alabama and Ohio State, and really every major program had kind of reached out to this guy. Those were sort of his top three. Um, I think he was also looking at Oregon. Um, But uh, ultimately, he chose Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that's a good – for a running back, I can see going to Georgia. Honestly, it's RBU. They always have good running backs. They've got a good history of running backs there. Another big win for Georgia. Georgia has 25 or 26 guys in this class, so they should be approaching sort of a a closed class, which is saying something because it's – it's August, early August, and they're basically done recruiting yeah. for 2024. I mean, 
Imagine being Kirby Smart and being able to just relax as well, far as recruiting goes. I well, mean, you hope be going after 2025. Right, obviously. right. You can just turn all your attention to 25 yeah. now, right, and pour it all on them. So uh, great job by then. So, um, you know, one of the things that really kind of played into all these guys, uh, whether it was an Auburn guy or an Alabama guy or an FSU or Georgia or whoever, there's a lot of talk about NIL. And we mentioned it just a little while ago. We're talking about, you know, conference realignment, a lot of people pointing to it. NIL, for better or worse, these players are getting paid now. And there's a reason that they're getting paid. I mean, they are putting their bodies on the line. I'm not a big supporter of NIL personally. Um, I think it's a little bit flawed in the way that it's done. Um, but I don't know a better way to do it. These guys do deserve you know, some cut of, You're right. of the pot. And it's not that they don't deserve anything. They just got to figure out a way to make it reasonable. Because Lane Kiffin said it really well last year. They have made it legal to cheat. So you can very easily just offer some guy that has chosen a school because it's the right fit for him, but if you offer him enough money, he'd be an idiot not to take it. Right. And it's stupid. That's that's dumb. That's not how college is supposed to be. That's NFL stuff. Yeah. These kids don't even know what to do with this money a lot of times. Right. And so, I mean, I hope maybe that's one good thing that'll happen because you are surrounded by all these like knowledgeable people and coaches that you should be listening to because you're 18. Yeah. Um, maybe they learn how to use money correctly because a lot of NFL players go broke. Yeah, I think most schools have, have not only done a, a good job of getting some kind of NIL in place, but most of them, along with that NIL program, have uh, started up so, uh, some initiatives within the school to talk to the kids about, hey, here's how you need to manage your money and yeah. all those type of things, which is good um, for those kids. But some of the bad side of NIL here, and there's there's a number of things to talk about on the bad side. You know, there's a, a Dante Moore guy out of UCLA, and this is a rumor, So, uh, but you'll see this more and more, right? He's rumored to want to be leaving UCLA for NIL reasons. Um, there were some recruits last year that uh, Florida had that ended up leaving. I think there was a quarterback that they had committed that ended up decommitting to them. I think he chose Miami instead, and uh, the reason was – Florida had offered him a big bag, and then it turns out that they couldn't really, they couldn't really produce yeah. that that amount of money. And I get why that would be extremely frustrating, but again, that's where the problem comes in. If you're choosing a school because of the money, you're choosing for the wrong reasons. Right. You need to choose a place where you fit, where you think you'll play, where you think you will get better. That's where it should come from. And so when people transfer because they're not playing. It's a little bit more understandable because you got four years of eligibility mm-hmm. to make it count, to get a chance at the next level. So if you don't play those first two years and it doesn't look like you're going to play that third year and you transfer, I really don't blame you. It makes sense for your the betterment of yourself. Bo Nix left. Right. He should have left. Like he, he clearly made the right decision yeah. because we were going nowhere fast yeah. when he was here. A top five QB in college yeah. football now. Yeah. Um, so there's reasons why the transfer portal is good because it gets players – to compete and be able to better themselves. Right. There's a problem with it, too, in ways. For instance, this. If you're leaving, if you're transferring because you're not getting paid, you chose the wrong school for the wrong reasons. Right. So, yes, I guess get out of there, but maybe be wiser in your next decision. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that and that's the thing. I think one of the things that bothers us about college football right now, we talked about with Pac-12, there's a lot of changes going on, and it seems like it's all happened in the past like five years, you've got this conference realignment stuff going on. You've got college football playoff changing. 
you've got NIL uh, coming into play. Now you've got the transfer portal coming into play. Yeah. I mean, college football landscape has completely turned over from In where it was. Years. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. Um, and not all the change is bad. I think the 12-team playoff is a great thing. It's going to be a great addition next year. Um, and if I'm – is this right that the 4 through 12, it's going to be home field advantage? So 1 through 4 get a bye. Yeah, one through four get a and get the, a buy. The and first then, round of playoffs, and then the next four, right? Get a get uh, so four through eight. Yeah, get a, a get home field or five through eight get a home field advantage. Yeah, so that's actually awesome. Yeah, I I it kind of makes me root against Auburn for at least a game. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, just get the fifth spot. I want to see a playoff game in Jordan Hare Stadium. Right, that would be nuts. That place would cause an earthquake, no doubt. That would be wild. That would be wild. And I think some of those games are going to be very exciting. I, I'm up and down on the college football playoff, probably just because it's a change and I'm sort of a get-off-my-lawn type guy, but, <laughs> you know, um, that's where I stand on it. The way so. I look at the playoff, the four-team playoff is stupid, and I hate that, mainly because the bowl games mean literally nothing now. However, expanding the playoff, to me, just means more important football for longer. So now I get to watch football for an extended period of time, and it's important games. It's not the mayonnaise bowl for no reason. Like, that's a stupid bowl. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying there. I, I think there was a better way to do it. So one of the things I don't like about the college football playoffs is that conference championship games have become meaningless. Yeah. And I think they should have used conference playoff games to decide who gets into the playoff, right? Almost use it as a first round of the playoffs and then play in, right? So yeah. you take the... The top six conferences or what have you, um, Notre Dame would have to join a conference. Um, but, hey, whatever. Welcome to the club. Right. Um, so, you know, join a conference, and then, you know, that, there's your top 12 teams, right? Top six conferences, there's your 12 teams. Yeah. Right? Whoever makes it to the conference championship game. You win your conference championship game, you're on to the next round. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, that is a good way of doing it. And I, I actually like that, but... Like I said, I'm really glad I might get to see a playoff game in Jordan. That, that that'll be pretty sweet. I agree. So I don't like neutral site games. To me, they're, they're, besides the championship, obviously that makes sense for it, but they're so lame. First of all, I don't. I've never been to Mercedes Benz, so I'm not gonna say that. But going to the SEC championship game just didn't feel felt off. Yeah, it's it's a little bit corporate. Yeah, I mean it's not the same as as playing it's not at like home. You're seeing you, your band's there, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. So, well, uh, any closing thoughts there, Emmett? As far as the NIL goes, it needs to be fixed. Conferences need to go back to being regional. It has to be regional. There's got to be a way they can make a rule that make it makes it regional. There's got to be a way to do it. I think. Like I a, think a radius <laughs> thing, like you have to be within this distance to yeah, be in a conference. Yeah, and I think this is where the NCAA should have stepped in and taken on some leadership and done that. But NCAA has never shown any leadership, so. I don't know why we should expect that. From <laughs> well, so that's it for us here today um, at the Beham Brothers Podcast. Um, we appreciate you all listening in um, and uh, hope you tune in more. Please follow us, like us, subscribe uh, to the podcast uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Uh, and uh, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at Beham Brothers, where we share the latest SEC news, stories, and more.